Now, in looking at hypocrisy, I could spend all the time talking about various commandments, don't lie, don't, you know, don't commit adultery, don't cover all those things, and say, well, don't preach those, and then go out and do the opposite. But I kind of think that's a bit obvious, and I think you all know that, and so it would be a bit of a waste of time doing that. So instead, I want to look at some of the more positive things that we think we believe, and see if the way we live confirms that. Uh, because, you see, the church can often be accused of hypocrisy, and it probably always will be, because... People are all at different stages, and people that are here today, some of you might just be looking and interested in God. Some of you might be new Christians. Some people might have been Christians for years and have matured or even not matured. So it's not until we've gone through a process of maturity that we start to see whether the fruit of that change is coming out. So it's always going to look as though people aren't, all of us aren't living up to what we say. But we can look at ourselves, and we can ensure that these things match up more and more as we go on. So the word hypocrite originally meant, as I'm sure you all know, an actor, a pretender, someone playing a character, or even literally wearing a mask. So we're going to look at three masks today. The first mask is the mask of Peter. Um, as you all remember, when Jesus was just about to be arrested, he was uh, in the garden with his disciples and he said, all of you are going to fall away because of me tonight. And Peter said, no, I won't. You know, even if all these other ones do, I'm not going to. And Jesus said, well, no, you're actually denying me three times before the cock crows. And Peter said, no, I'll die for you, Lord. Well, of course, he didn't die for him. And when he was questioned, do you know this man? He said, no. He, didn't even, he said he didn't even know him, let alone die for him. So this first mask says, I don't know him. That I'll do one thing, but then I actually in the moment when the pressure's on, I do something different. Or maybe it doesn't even say I don't know him. Maybe in our circumstances, it's just not acknowledging it, just keeping quiet, not bringing Jesus into a situation we find ourselves in. So that's the first mask, mask of Peter. The second mask is the mask of Ananias and Sapphira. And we are going to watch a dramatised video of this. Uh, it's based on Acts chapter 5. And uh, Ananias, perhaps you can get the lights because it is quite dark. Um, Ananias and Sapphira are the ones that are talking when their names come up. And look out for Peter, who's the one that's in a sort of dark blue tunic. Um, look out for him. You all okay? <laughs> Don't mess with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the same then as he is today. So, this mask, the mask of Ananias and Sapphira, says I'm all in when I'm not. There's nothing wrong with them selling the house and only giving part of it, but they should have just acknowledged that. Instead, they wanted to get the glory that came from saying, I've given everything. They wanted to they'd put on this religious veneer, this religious mask that said, yes, I'm one thing, I'm great, I'm wonderful, I've given everything. In fact, by holding it back, hedging their bets, keeping one foot in the world and the other foot trying to have the other foot in the kingdom, keeping their options open. The third mask is the mask of Jesus. In John 14, chapter 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, 
Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? So this mask, the third mask, it's not really a mask at all, or if it is, it's a transparent one. If you looked at Jesus, you could see straight through him and see to the Father and see what the Father was like. And in the way that Jesus went about and in his compassion and his mercy and his love and all the other things that we see of Jesus, you could see the Father. And then in the same way, in John chapter 17, later on, Jesus is praying to God for his disciples. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So in that same way that the Father was in Jesus, Jesus by his spirit is in us if we're Christians. And so we should have that same transparent mask so that as people look at us, they don't see us, they just see straight through and see Jesus in us. But if we're going to be like that, how do we take off that mask? How do we ensure we are transparent? Well, the opposite of being hypocritical is being sincere or genuine or having integrity. And if you look up that word integrity, it means the state of being whole and undivided. Which is really interesting, isn't it? It's that wholeheartedness. And this series has been about difference on the surface, on the face of it. And yet, again and again, as Andy was talking, as Angela before... The sub, uh, what has really come out is about being wholehearted. That wholeheartedness, I think, is perhaps the real theme. So this idea of keeping your options open, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, like Ananias and Sapphira there, it just doesn't work. You, you, can't, you can't do it. It's all or nothing, hot or cold, not lukewarm. John Wimber said, don't be good, be God's. Showing the importance of an apostrophe. God apostrophe, yes, belong to God. Um, so don't try to be good instead ensure that you are so given over to God so wholehearted that being good and doing good just a natural outpourings of that from the Holy Spirit being in you you'll be good by his power it's very often we're looking to apply some kind of principle or some kind of formula to a situation instead of getting involved in that relationship And if we're looking to benefit from everything that is his, we have to give everything that's ours. Don't tell him, but it's a really bad deal for him because we haven't got anything to give anyway. So, you know, what is there to lose? And everything we have got is from him. So, you know, why not? (laughs) There's there's no reason not to. To gain everything. Was it Chesterton who said, he's not a fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose? So, yeah give everything. Because if you think of the gospel, if you think of your Christianity as being something you can just apply when you're in a particular situation, when things are going wrong, it's not going to work. It's all in, all or nothing. Those of you who know Katrina and I well will know that we like to play games. Uh, Next games night, Saturday 9th of March, seamlessly plugged. Um, And this is one of them. And very often they're strategy games and they're very often around a particular theme. Uh, this one is about building a village or a town and putting all the buildings in it that enable you to produce raw res- um, resources from the raw materials, that kind of thing. And then the popular ones, they'll bring out expansion packs for. So this one adds in farmers to the same game, and this one adds in merchants. 
And what these do is kind of expand the theme and make it more interesting. They bring in new rules. They bring in new things you can do, different resources, different bits and pieces, just to make it sort of a fuller, richer experience. But you can't do that with Jesus. You can't get the Jesus to save your expansion pack and just add it on, you know? You can't carry on playing the same game you were playing before and add on the Jesus to save your expansion pack for a bit of flavour, a bit of variety, a bit of extra richness. It doesn't work like that, because Jesus throws out the whole game. He throws, out, throws it out and says, hey, stop playing that game. I've got a whole new game. Come and join me in my game. This is a much better one. Because Jesus says he has to be Lord and Saviour, not just Saviour. So in this game, in Jesus' game, maybe, maybe it looks something like this. Maybe the theme is in 1 John 5.19. We know that we are children of God. It's already been mentioned today, isn't it? And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So you can imagine the game board laid out with all these tiles, and they're all dark and black all over the world. And you are these little people. They're called meeples. Uh, little meeples, children of God. Meeples of God. Here we go. Um, that are there, and they come along, and they're turning over the tiles and turning them over, bringing light where there was darkness. Because to turn, turn it so the world isn't under the control of the evil one anymore. And the backstory of the mission, 1 John 3 8, the reason the Son of God was appeared, uh, appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So that's what he did. He was destroying the devil's work. Then the mission for us in this new game, Matthew 28 18, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in Luke 10, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. So Jesus has won the battle, but rather than just turning all the tiles over himself straight away, he says, hey, I've got the authority, I'm giving it to you. And so we, in this new game, go around turning the tiles over. Wherever we go, as Angela's talking about being ambassadors, wherever we go, we take those new rules, because we are ambassadors of the kingdom. We, we are given the task of turning it over. So we don't need to keep going back to God and say, oh, do you want me to bring light in this place? Do you want me to turn this tile? Forget that. That's the new rule of the game. It's a whole new game. And it says, these are your powers. These are the special things that you can do. And so often we say, oh God, do you want to do this? Would you please do this? No. You have the authority. You, every one of you that's a Christian, has that authority. But do you believe it? Do you believe it today, Sunday morning? Do you believe it tomorrow, Monday morning? Or Friday evening or Saturday night? Because very often in these games, the, the ultimate aim is to get victory points. But you can't get them directly. You tend to have to go and visit various places, collect raw materials, take them somewhere else, turn them into different resources, and eventually they become victory points. If you're not careful, if you don't keep your eyes fixed on the aim of the goal of the game, you'll have a massive pile of raw materials and resources, and you will be, lose the game completely. Because it doesn't matter. All it counts is, have you got victory points? Did you focus on the mission, or did you just focus on the means to get there? 90% of the enemy's tactics is distraction. He'll be quite happy if you're going around visiting the places, quite happy if you're collecting the resources, quite happy if you're converting them into different goods, so long as you're not getting the victory points, because then he knows he's won, and we've been distracted. Let's get down to practicalities. How do you find out what you really believe? Well, firstly, our actions 
show our true beliefs. So what might it mean to have the same character in, all, in some different situations? I've just thought of a few. I'm sure you can think of many. You can be thinking of the ones that you're going to come up against this week. How about when you're on Facebook? What a massive exercise in putting a mask that is, pretending to be something that you're not. Well, let's not fall for that, whether by pretending we've got an amazing lifestyle or whether we're pretending we're more pious than we really are and putting religious platitudes up that really don't do a lot. I've been really sad because, actually, as well as putting masks up, it can take masks away. I've seen Christians who I've known for years. You know, they're all the right things in church. And yet I've seen them on Facebook, swearing, posting things that are really unhealthy, joining in with the bile that takes place on Facebook. <coughs> you know, we don't need to do that. If you're going to be on that platform, let's bring something of God in there. Let's bring something of truth, of honesty, of life. How about in private? <coughs> that place when nobody's looking. When you're tempted to sin, because what harm is it going to do? You're tempted to turn to idols like food or shopping or drink or drugs or porn. Are you going to believe in those situations when you feel some kind of need, when you feel something? Are you instead going to believe what you say you believe on a Sunday morning? Are you going to exhibit the fruit of self-control and look to God instead of these things? Acknowledge that you need something, but look to him for it, because he's the only one that can actually give it. And instead say, Father, I need you to comfort me now rather than turn to these things. I stole that from Ian Bird during the week, by the way. It wasn't my words, but I thought it was rather good. fitted in with this. Turn to God and ask him for the comfort that you need. How about when you're with Christians socially? Um, you can spend your, you know, outside of official, if I put it in quotes, church things, and you meet together socially and you have a good time, that's great, and you, but you spend time talking about things, problems that come up, things that you're dealing with, maybe a bit of a moan about church or things that are going on. Well, how do we transform that if we're going to be the same people in those situations as we are here in the official church thing? Well, Katrina and I have tried to commit that if we have done that, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but if we had a moan or we've been talking about problems or whatever it might be, to commit to then pray about it, even if it's just quickly, before we leave again. So hold us accountable to that, and maybe you'd like to do the same thing. And if we commit that when we're, whenever we're together... We have that atmosphere in which it's normal to pray for the thing. How amazing would that be? You know, what difference does that make that believes that whatever problems or situations are there, they can be transformed by the Holy Spirit's power? And then how about taking that step further, a step wider? Because when we're with unbelieving people, friends, colleagues, family, whatever they might, whoever they might be, however we know them, is it the same God? Is it the same Holy Spirit? Can he not answer the prayers for them as well? So there's a chance to step out there as well. And we've been trying to push ourselves with that and pray for people. Not just say, well, maybe sometimes saying, I'll pray for you. Would you like me to pray for you? Sometimes praying actually for them, like we would a Christian, laying hands on, asking God to show them that he does care about them. Stepping out in faith. Um, we had a guy, Jules and I were trying to get somewhere to pray for somebody. We were trying to get out of the building quickly at the old library. And this guy came in and needed some help, and we tried, we tried to do what we could, and, we, and then he just we, he wouldn't leave, and <laughs> we were desperate to get out. Anyway, I knew something of this guy, although I'd not met him before, and then he came back again kind of randomly about a week later. 
And I was determined that, because I wanted to pray for him the first time, but we were in such a rush. I knew he got a problem with his ankle. He comes in the second time and shows me his ankle, which is all mashed up and it's all this great big growth on it. It's just a complete mess. And he talks about all the pins he's got in his body. And it, but the main thing seemed to be his back. And he was kind of doubled over in pain um, with his back. So I thought, right, I'm going to step out here. I'm not. I'm assuming that God wants me here and what, what's this guy here? So I said to him, this is the second time you've randomly turned up. I think God wants to do something for you. He said, I said, okay. I said, I said, will you let me pray, pray for your back? So he said, yeah, okay. So I prayed for him. Only a short prayer, but with authority. Instead of saying, please, God, would you heal? No, back. Be healed in the name of Jesus because God is willing to heal. And he's given us that authority. So I prayed for him with my hand. I asked him where it hurt. Took it away, and I said, well, you know, is it better or worse? And he goes, pain. And he's like, I smell drink on him, so I couldn't get a coherent word out of him. Is he better? Is it worse? I don't know. Uh, Anyway, after a bit of this, and he's a bit unsteady, I kind of went to, I was going to sort of support him. And when my hand got about that far away from his back, I could feel this heat coming off his back. And I've never felt that when I pray for somebody. Other people that have been prayed for have felt it. I've never felt anything. I could feel from that distance his heat coming off his back. I said, is your back really hot inside? And he said, yes, immediately, without hesitation, you know, when I couldn't get a word out of him before. I said, that's the Holy Spirit working on your back, healing your back. And I don't know if he knew what to make of that. <laughs> but I said, and I would really originally want to pray for his, for his ankle, and I had faith for that. And I said, I could pray for your ankle as well if you'd like. And he said, no, 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 it's too much. And he got out there as quick as he possibly could. <laughs> So, but he knew, and I knew, something happened there. You know, he knew that God was real and that he'd answer this prayer. And, he, and when he went, I mean, I'm sure he was, I'm pretty sure he was sort of pretty upright. He still can walk well because of all these other problems. But, so I'm praying that he comes back. But, you know, step out. Because when you step out, um, you, believe, you know, believe the same thing in the week as you believe in, uh, on a Sunday. You can see these things. Um, just a couple more sort of things. So, you know, when you see a beggar on the street, if you are believing the same things, you believe that the image of God is in that person, you believe that you can bring hope to him, you can spend time with him and find out how he could help and show him some hope. At the school gates, from what I hear, they can be a bit fractious, that parents are quite cliquey and even get into fights. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been told. Um, well, you know, we, are pe- we have been told we're peacemakers, so we can go into this situation. We can bring peace. We can turn the card over, turn the tile over, make it light, not dark. Not to take sides, but to, to bring peace. How about in the supermarket when you're queuing up and the person in front got their shopping through and they find that it's too much, they've obviously set a budget and they've exceeded it and they're having to scan things back off the bill to get it onto the bill. People are getting impatient behind. And she puts a card in and then she says, oh, no, I haven't even got what I thought I had, the direct debit's gone out. I said, oh, and she, she's already said she's having a bad day, she's rushing to get to work, and she says, oh, you'll have to just keep the whole lot, and obviously she's really embarrassed. But in that situation, because you're playing a different game, rather than getting annoyed with everybody, annoyed with her, joining with what the rest of the people do, you can say, the Jesus I know is generous, and so I can be generous, because I know that I'm looked after. So in that situation, you can say, here, add it to my bill. Because Jesus loves you. And this is how you can see it. This is what he's like. We can show people what Jesus is like by the things that we do, by the way that we act. Or we can just be like everybody else. But I don't want to play that game.
continue to believe the same things through the week, through the different situations, and bring the kingdom of God to bear on these places and bring light. And this isn't about trying to do more. It is about being close to God so that it comes out as a natural outflow. So that's our actions show our beliefs. Secondly, our reactions. If I took this object, cut it in half, and squeezed it really tight, what would you expect to come out? Orange juice, yes. Now if I did that and what came out was some bitter lemon juice, you'd be kind of... I was going to say bitterly disappointed. There you go. Um, <laughs> you'd be very disappointed, especially as it cost a fortune, because Katrina bought this from Waitrose. I can't believe how much it cost. But, so if I, got, if I got lemon juice out of this, I'd be very unhappy. When we're squeezed, we find out what's inside. Those of you who have been through troubles will know what I mean. What did you find was what you believed enough was what you really believed rather than what you thought you believed. Enough. Maybe you're in it now. How's that going? What's coming out of you? Is it the fruit juice of the spirit? Sorry, that was so bad, I had to leave it in. <laughs> Is it the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Is that what comes out when you're squeezed, when you're under pressure, when you're in a difficult situation? Or is it something more like fear, anger, attack, despair, bitterness, unbelief? You might say, well, we're only human. You know, how we respond to these things, we're just human. But think back to Peter who said he would do one thing and did another in, when the pressure was on. Now you could say, and I think it would be quite reasonable to say, well, Peter, he was only human. Couldn't expect him to say he knew Jesus because he might have had to die. Well, it might be true. Because it's not true for us. And it wasn't true for Peter later on either. We are not only human if we are Christians. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit is the power in us to transform us. And so later on, Peter did die for Jesus. But he was trying to do it in his own strength originally. And he very sharply found out that his own strength wasn't enough. What he said he could do in his own strength wasn't enough. But later, when he had the Holy Spirit in him, it was enough, because it wasn't him that was doing it. It was the power of God that was doing it. And we have that power of God to enable us to be different when we're under pressure. You often don't find out what you believe until you're squeezed. But equally, you don't find out how God will back you up until you step out based on his promises. So like the guy that came in to the old library, I was deliberately putting myself in a position where I don't look stupid. But so what? You know, if it hadn't happened. But God used that. And faith, as is often said, is spelled R-I-S-K. Let's take the risk. Let's not be caught up by distractions. Let's be wholehearted. So our actions, our reactions, and the third well, I'm sure there's many others, but the third one I'm looking at today is we can see what we believe and who we are with a mirror. But you need a special kind of mirror, not one that will just look at the surface. You need one that will look deep inside. And the Bible talks about itself as being that kind of mirror. In James 1, 23 onwards, it says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says 
is like someone who, oh, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So as we look at the Bible, as we study God's word, he will show us where we don't quite measure up, where we're saying one thing, perhaps doing another. Holy Spirit will prompt us, not necessarily for other people to do that, but it's for us to do that and examine ourselves and let the Holy Spirit work on us and change us. So just in summary maybe a few challenges are you, wear, are you wearing a mask one like Peter or one like Ananias and Sapphira or maybe some other kind of mask are you trying to be good or are you ensuring that you are God's first are you being squeezed and if so what's coming out is it the aroma of Jesus of faith, of love of hope do you have integrity, a wholeheartedness towards him? The first and greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And there's a very curious verse just tucked away in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I don't know about you, but when those eyes are ranging throughout the earth, I'd kind of like them to look at me. I want to be fully committed. I want them to see that. And I want his strength to be able to play this game. So perhaps hold a mirror up to yourself over this week and the coming weeks and see what you truly believe. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you kingdom eyes for the different places you'll be in and the people you'll be with. And there'll be a chance to do that in small groups this week as well. If you're a Christian... Don't settle for the Jesus the Saviour expansion pack. You are a child of God. You are loved by Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he has given you authority to take part in his mission, in his game. You were made for way more than the game you used to play. So let's join with him in playing this new game. As Pete said, we wanted to allow a bit of time. I felt it was important with this because it's not about beating ourselves up or you know, trying to do more, like I said. It's about who we are, and it's about who we are with God's strength in us. So I wanted to allow this time. We've got nearly 10 minutes. It might seem like a long time. What I want to do is to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. Um, not with any pre prepared plan and not for coming up the front, actually. Um, this is between you and God as a response to what's been said. And maybe something I've said has, has stuck out and you need to talk to God about that. Maybe he'll show you something different. I don't want to be prescriptive about what that might be. But it's about us receiving today, okay? Um, if you do feel God has got something, maybe we could do that at 12 in extra time, okay? Um, but let's have this 10 minutes. It might seem like a long while, but even if it's, it'll, you know, it'll probably be silent for 10 minutes, that's fine. So I'm just going to pray very quickly. If you, maybe you'd like to stand. Um, if you're not a Christian... You can say, God, if you're real, show me in this time. 
Um, if you need to sit down at any point, that's fine. Um, you might like to close your eyes and put your hands out to just acknowledge that you're ready to receive him. Um, entirely up to you. But I'm just going to pray. Father God, we know that you are a good God who gives good gifts to his children, and especially the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so we do ask in Jesus' name. We ask that you'd send your Holy Spirit now to fill every one of us and to do what you would do. Holy Spirit, come and do as you wish.